you know, usually when you're at the deadline, you, you got a team and, and you want to add to it. You got to be cognizant of the group and where they're at and where they've uh, come from. So, you know, we already knew we we're going to add at least a couple players back uh, through injury. Hi again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Coyote's Corner. I'm Heater, Bob Heathouse, filling in for Luke Lipinski today. And, of course, as always, I'm joined by the one and only Paul Bissonnette, Biz Nasty, my radio partner, and uh, the great Dave Vest as well. <laughs> Thank you. And today we are very thrilled to have Coyote's uh, President of Hockey Operations and General Manager John Chaika joining us. John, how are you doing today? Doing well. Thanks for having me. <clears throat> well, it's great to have you with us. And, of course, the, the trade deadline uh, – has come and gone, and yeah. you made one move, sending Jordan Wheel to Montreal for Michael Chaput. And I really liked your comment after the trade deadline when you said, I really thought it was fair to this group to let them finish the season the way that uh, they've battled so hard, and you've got uh, injured guys coming back, so it's like making additions. But yeah. just maybe expand on that and also tell us the thought process behind uh, trade deadline day this year, and were you close to any deals? Yeah, yeah, it was a bit of a unique deadline, like you said. We've got... Uh, Number of players, uh, you know, either came back or close to coming back. I get Christian Dvorak back tonight. So, you know, usually when you're at the deadline, you, you got a team and, and you want to add to it. You got to be cognizant of the group and where they're at and where they've uh, come from. So, you know, we already knew we we're going to add at least a couple players back uh, through injury, and then you start looking at maybe add another player or two. All of a sudden, maybe there was six, you know thirty percent of your roster, and uh, you know just felt like a lot of these guys that have come along and developed internally here or stepped up and, and filled a big hole for us in a in a tight spot. You know, they kind of earned the right to to play this season through and get twenty games. You know, and anything can really happen in twenty games. So unless we felt like it was a real significant upgrade, uh, you know, we felt like the group we had was the one we were going to go with, and. Yeah, you had a lot of discussions, uh, lots of talks. Um, we explored everything, pretty much every name that got moved or was talked about being moved. We were involved in and some more than others. But, uh, you know, we got a long-term plan here. It, this isn't a one-year plan. Um, you know, it's been great what the group's done. I think it's been shown a lot of growth, uh, a, lot, a good trajectory of where we're headed. But I uh, wasn't going to sacrifice anything that didn't make sense uh, long-term as well. So, Again, if there was something that, that made sense short-term, that, that fit long-term, that's what we're trying to do. And came close a few times, but ultimately nothing other than, you know, the one minor move. John, what can you tell us about Michael Chaput other than his last name is pronounced much differently than it's spelled? Yeah, uh, like I said, it was a bit of a minor move. More to create some flexibility for us. We traded for Wheel. He was a he was a good player. Um, came in, did a nice job. We had we had four centermen out at the time and and came in and filled that gap for us. But it was really to give him an opportunity too, and just felt like. You know, in fairness to him, with with the Vorak coming back, that opportunity wasn't going to be here, um, so allowed him to go to a place where he had some opportunity. And then we had a player that we've got under control for another year, and uh, you know, high character guy, um, gives us some flexibility. Uh, if we need him here down the stretch, he can come in and play some meaningful minutes for us. So, uh, and like I said, he, he's there next year, um, same same role. You know, flexibility. Uh, good American League player can play in Tucson for us, but also help us at the NHL level as well. So, you know, it was a minor move, but uh, you know, important for us too. Uh, you talked about the chemistry about this with this group. Um, there's been a lot of guys step up, of course, with all the injuries that have happened. Is there one guy in particular that you've been thrilled about in, in the way he's excelled and, and really yeah. stepped into their role? That's a good question. Like, uh, you know, there's so many names that pop to mind right away. But, you know, like Archibald had such a great season for us and played meaningful minutes and, and hard minutes and stepped up. But his partner there, Lawson Krause, those two have been a, quite the duo. And, uh, yeah, just to see him, you know, young young player, played the American League last year. 
um, you know, grew his game, how to hold pucks, how to come off the wall, create some offense. Now he's scoring some goals, easy to impact uh, physically for us. And then those guys are tough to find now. So, um, you know, it's, it's exciting as an organization. You've got a guy that's 21 that brings those elements and, uh, you know, can be with us for another decade. Those are the types of guys that we're building around. So, um, but, but again, you can, Connor Garland, <laughs> the guy comes in and just starts scoring and doesn't stop and, um, you know, had a little bit of a lull. I thought last game he was impact, an impact guy. You know, I thought he really made an impact on that Winnipeg game. So, um, you know, it's a long list, and that's a good good thing to have. And like I said, when we were looking at adding, you got you to subtract to add in terms of your roster. You can only dress so many players, and, and you start taking some of these guys potentially out of the lineup. I didn't know if it was going to make us better unless it was a significant upgrade, and uh, ultimately we didn't find that. John, how about uh, the job that Darcy Kemper has done? Yeah. Uh, coming in for the, the injured Auntie Ronta. Obviously, when Auntie went down in, in late November, there were question marks. You know, you had over half the season to play yet. And, uh, you know, Darcy Kemper had had stretches of success um, with this team and also in teams prior to coming to the Coyotes. But, you know, he hadn't really carried the load. And all of a sudden, he's really been, you know, maybe your most impactful player here in the last several weeks. I think uh, going 11-3-3 three, and three in, in his last uh, 18 starts or 17 starts. So what can you say about what he's done coming in and, and really carrying the load and giving your t- uh, team a chance to win every night? Yeah, I think it's a good lesson in the sense of you can kind of try to take those home run swings and try to make the splashy move. And, and sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. But you know, a lot of the moves we've made in the last you know, two years here – some of them are major, some of them are minor, and sometimes those minor ones are the ones that, that create a lot of value. So, yeah, in terms of Darcy, I mean, to, to acquire him and then extend him for two years at a, at a number that made sense for us, uh, you know, and we knew he'd get some opportunity here, obviously with some injuries, more opportunity than we even expected, but, uh, you know, it worked out as, as, about as well as we could have hoped. Um, you know, he's come in, he's been a rock for our team. We can count on him, guys trust him, we know he can go out and steal us some games, or he can go out and just play solid and uh, without him, we wouldn't have the season we're having, and, and he's been a huge piece. So um, he, he's, he's earned it. You know, he's at an age now with goalies. Sometimes it takes some time, and he's had some ups and downs throughout his career. And, uh, uh, you know, he was in the minors, signed a, you know, low one-way deal, and then he comes in and, and gets a chance here and, and capitalized. So those are the types of stories you like to see. And, and of course, like I said, for us as an organization to get those types of, of value deals uh, – yeah, you make them and, and you're hopeful, but you never know, and you keep making a few of them, and some of them hit like like Darcy has. John, with the trade deadline having come and gone now, yeah. Uh, other than watching the last twenty games, what do you shift your attention to now? Yeah, I, th- I think uh, mainly the amateur draft. Um, you know, leading up the trade deadline or or leading up, um, you know, as we got to that type of time frame. A lot of my time was spent with the pro side of things and and scouting those players and going out and uh, you know seeing if we could add to our group and what that looked like. So uh, now I can kind of fish, uh, shift my focus to the draft and uh, and you know we got uh, what eight picks, so it's another opportunity to add a lot of good good young prospects to our pipeline. And we've had eighteen picks the last two years, and then that's how this thing's going to continue to grow and grow for for a long time. And that's again that's our goal. So um, you know I'll still keep an eye on some of the pending UFA, some guys we have some interest in. Uh, and yeah, be be around day to day managing the team, but uh, a lot a lot to do with the draft as well. Uh, being a young general manager, 
do you have a mentor in order to how to properly manage your time? Because you have so many focuses. You know, of course, you just mentioned shifting into the draft and and maybe even signing guys, uh, college players, yeah, and, and worrying about filtering guys coming out of a junior that you have to sign. Like, where where does all the knowledge come from? Yeah, no, I guess just uh, my previous work working with a lot of different organizations and seeing how those teams, you know, those successful teams go about allocating their time. You know, it's it's the toughest part of being a manager because. You know, you could literally focus all your time on the draft, and there's enough there to do to keep you busy. But um, you know, really, again, it comes back to what do we think are the fundamentals of our organization and our team, and and no different than a lot of teams. You know, it's draft and develop. So for me, continuing to you know keep a focus on our, our program down in Tucson, even though they've been hit with some injuries, they're doing a lot of good things there, putting out a lot of good players for us. Um, you know, spend time with the amateur draft, and then. You know, we, we're taking a look at a few European free agents, and whether it's the Kempies or Labushkins, uh, Alstrom, those are guys that have created a lot of value for organizations. So, uh, I guess to answer your question, um, you know, watching the Kenny Hollins and guys like that, and seeing how they built, you know, how they had that 20-year run, you know, those are things that I look to and try to understand and try to emulate. John, here we are in late February, and your team is right still in the thick of the playoff race. I mean, yeah. um, and it's a remarkable story given the, the adversity that, that your team has faced with all the injuries. And as the architect of this team, what has made you the proudest of how your club has battled, or what have you enjoyed the most about this year's club? Whether you make the playoffs or whether you don't, still, you're in meaningful games this late in the season, and it's been a, a real a, a great run this year. Yeah, if you would have told me... Uh you know, this would be the result I would have taken at the beginning of the year. If you would have told me we had to go through all the injuries and the adversity we've had to to get here, I probably wouldn't believe it. But uh, but we're here. And, uh, you know, I, again, I think uh, it speaks volumes to the character of the organization, the group, the coaches, the staff. You know, I'm a big believer, whether it's the guys like Dave Zanobi or Stan Wilson, you know, they, they create the culture that your, your team is. And uh, without those guys' support and help and um you know, working with our players, and again, your ultimate leader is your your head coach, and uh, you know it filters down through the organization from there. So, uh, yeah, like uh, whether it's growth of young players stepping up with opportunity, whether it's some veteran guys stabilizing the way, I can't you know speak enough about the Yarmelsons and the Richardsons and Stepons and those guys played a lot of hard minutes. Um, you know, emptied the tank pretty much every single night, and uh, and without those guys, we're not in this spot. So. Uh, it'll be an interesting 20 games. I think we're going to learn a lot about our group, a lot about our young players. Um, you know, some will some will maybe have some struggles. It'll be a little rich for them at times, and some of them will step up in a big way. And same thing with our veterans. You know, I think uh, you'll see those guys step up in a big way as well. So um, it'll be fun to watch as a manager. Yeah, it's, it's been an, it's been an enjoyable season. Um, just just seeing these guys, what they've dealt with, and and uh, you know, they're uh, they're a selfless group. They play for each other. They play hard, and uh, that's as a manager, that's what you're looking for. Last one for me, John. We were hearing that Jason Demers is is close to returning. Obviously, Christian Dvorak is back now. Yeah. Uh, Grabner is skating. Ronta is even skating. Yeah. Excuse me. Um, I'm just curious. Are you amazed at how quickly these guys are getting back onto the ice? When when we first hear about these injuries, a, a lot of speculation comes out that oh, he's out for the season. We'll see him next year. Yeah. But it seems as if. Uh, in this day and age that these players are not willing to accept that and they're willing to work hard to get back before the season ends. Are you amazed by that? Yeah, I mean, just the evolution of medicine, I guess, is, is the, the key there. I mean, whether it's the surgeries that they do now or, or some of the rehab and training that they do, it's it's pretty phenomenal to watch. So, um, yeah, we've been lucky enough, like our, our medical staff, 
some of the surgeons that have done the work or some of the rehab staff that's that's helped us consult with us it, it's it's amazing what they can do now so um yeah they've done a nice job and and you know, obviously the credit goes to the players because some of these guys rehab busy you know this six seven hours a day um it's it's a Chicken grind kind of set the standard <laughs> how fast to come back so these guys feel the pressure a little yeah. bit not once but twice yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah exactly but i mean those are long days and uh it's really monotonous work and you know you gotta love the game and you love the sport and want to have to push yourself to get back and i think i think a lot of these guys are seeing what their teammates have done and stepped up and then want to get back and be a part of it so um, yeah, getting Devo back's huge. Obviously, you added Demers, top four right shot defenseman. You know, if, if Antti can get back, that's a you know one of the best goalies in the league. I mean, those are those are key additions, and uh, credit to the staff and those guys for for working hard to get to us to, uh, to this point. My last question would just be: Is are there any players coming out of junior now that those seasons are ending, or, or college that you plan on on calling up to Tucson, or even maybe even getting the call up to Arizona right away? Yeah, I think. Um, you know, depending on when their season ends, and, and obviously Tucson's in a playoff fight as well. But uh, yeah, there's, there's you know Barrett Hayden and P.O. Joseph. They're both on top ten ranked teams in the nation. So uh, you know they might not they might have their own playoff runs as well, which is which is great. You know those those guys are leaders on their teams. Um, Barrett's captain of the team, so we'll we'll integrate guys as best we can, more, most likely in Tucson. But uh, you know depending on how the season goes and, and, and injuries and things like that, you never know. So. Um, we've got a good, good young group coming. They're going to graduate, go into Tucson next year, and um, we've got lots of waves coming, and I think that's that's how you build an organization. You have those waves coming. So um, it's exciting to see those young guys graduate. Well, John, before we let you go, just kind of expanding what Biz said, maybe clarify for the fans the, the post-trade deadline rules now in terms of um, roster movement and, and who can be added to your roster and also can players go down to Tucson yet? Yeah, yeah we have a set number of call-ups, so um, – once you get past that number, then then uh, you know you can't call up any more players. And we, we papered down both uh, Garland and Labushkin uh, prior to the deadline, so so that burns two of our call ups. But there's still a couple there for for some guys to come up and and play some meaningful games for us down the stretch here. But uh, you know that allows those guys, uh, whether it's Labushkin who's who's come in and done a nice job, and he'll be a big part of our run here. But you know potentially you know see what the opportunity down the stretch is if, if you play more games in North America and. Just and adapt his game. It might might be a good opportunity for him. It might not. We'll see where it goes. And Connor's the same thing. Like to go down, be a leader potentially, and, and go through a playoff push there. If it's not up here, um, and we hope it's up here. But uh, yeah, and then and then like Biz was saying, as as juniors uh, and college kids finish their season, get, you know, the opportunity to get into Tucson, play some some meaningful games. Uh, you know, that's all part of the development process. So um, yeah, we'll. Uh, We'll continue to manage our pipeline the best we can and continue to grow these guys and put them in positions to have success. I think that's really the key for development. John, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate your time. I know our great fans enjoy hearing from you as always as well. And uh, I know from everybody, congratulations on the season thus far. No matter how it ends, it's been a remarkable story and uh, uh, just continued success down the stretch here. And hopefully the Coyotes can get in. Yeah, appreciate it. It's been fun to be a part of. So it should be an exciting stretch for our fans. That's John Chike, our guest today, the Coyotes president of hockey operations and GM, of course, right here on Coyotes Corner.
Well, how about that, guys? Wasn't it great to have John Chica with us today? And, and certainly uh, what a job he has done this year with this team and putting together this team, he and his hockey operations department. And, and it goes beyond that, the coaching staff, Rick Tockett and his assistants. And, and uh, what a, a tremendous season it's been just leading this team with all its challenges in terms of the injuries and keeping right in the playoff race. Obviously, the players deserve a tremendous amount of credit. But, you know, the, the, the people directing the show, the coaching staff and the hockey operations department have just been uh, remarkable this year, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree, Heater, 100%. And, you know, it's hard to overlook or not pay attention to what Barry Trotz has done for the New York Islanders um, in the situation that he went into and the way he's turned that team around. And I'm sure, you know, if the season ended today that he would win the Jack Adams Award as the top head coach. But Rick Tockett has to be in the conversation, no doubt about it. What he's done with this roster and the situation with all of these injuries that seems to be endless, but at least now is getting a little bit better. I think Rick absolutely needs to be mentioned in any conversation about the Jack Adams for this season. Uh, one thing that Chaika said that, w- that was interesting is, is like, it's as simple as like the Jordan Wheel move was. This how you know conversation with him and Rick Tockett with all the injuries they had at center ice, just a little move like that, and how it keeps them afloat in, in order to stay involved in this playoff race. And you know it's unfortunate that you know he's shipped off now, and that's the nature of the business. But just you know, tiny little move like that is so impactful, along with the Darcy Kemper move. I mean, that's going back to last year, and at the time it was very it was very subtle. They end up locking him to a very fair contract. You have a nice one A one B goalie situation. Ronta goes down this year, and boom, another little subtle move that John Chaika had made ends up panning out for the Coyotes. So, and, and I love how he's modest about it. He says sometimes you make those kind of moves and they don't pan out. Sometimes they do. It just seems as if though the ones that he's been making since he's joined on board have been working out for the Coyotes. I love your finger snap. That was really cool. I <laughs> hope it was catch captured. That? Yes. There we go. Did, did, did that catch on the audio? Yeah. All right, a little free sound effects. I'm going to have to bump up my pay grade here. <laughs> One of the things that's been really impressive to me about this team, and, and we hear the word resiliency a lot, but I think this really hits home with this club this year because every time you think that this team is going to just you know hit the wall, with whether it's the injuries or maybe going into losing streaks and they're just going to drop off the, the playoff map, they just you know pick themselves back up and, and continue to thrive. I mean, you go back to uh, December, I think early December, um, maybe around the sixth or so, the Coyotes uh, went through a slide of a one in seven, and you know they, everyone thought, well, they're done, they're they're out of it. And uh, since the the fourth of January, now that the team has has really thrived, and and if you go back even further than that, fifteen, ten, and three since the twenty second of December, after that one in seven slide to get back into the playoff race, and then recently a season high five game winless skid, and everyone says, okay, that's it for the Coyotes. You know they they can't hang in there anymore and then they followed that up with the run that they're on now they've won three straight four of their last five and, and six of their last eight since that uh, winless skid so that's what's really been impressive to me the fact that this team has been able to just hang in there and be so resilient and uh, you know continue to overcome all of its obstacles especially you know overcoming lack of success you know what i've liked bob and it probably lies within those numbers you just read but the two Calgary losses. I mean, the last two times the Coyotes have played Calgary, they were thumped. Let's, you know, you can't uh, describe it any other way. Convincing losses to Calgary. But the next game, they come back. And I think they even put together winning streaks after yes. both of those losses. So just when you want to count them out, as you said earlier, 
those Calgary losses, to me, the way they picked themselves back up after that and just said, okay, it's only one loss. This isn't the end of anything. Let's build off of this. Let's learn from this. And let's beat these next teams, which they did. And that last one being on that pivotal Canadian swing where they got thumped in the first game of that road trip. Now all of a sudden you got to play in a back-to-back against Edmonton, a team who's very desperate. They end up pulling that one out. And then they end up beating a team who they're fighting for that wildcard position with in Vancouver where they had to come back in that hockey game as well. So the resiliency is, uh, is showing, especially in the second half of the season, like it did last year. So seeing a bit of a correlation here. No question about that. And how about uh, the way that Alex Galchenyuk is, is really producing now in the second half of the season? Certainly he came to the Coyotes uh, with a lot of fanfare, a lot of pressure after the trade uh, involving Max Domi. Uh, got off on a, a, a difficult start because of a, a lower body injury. In fact, had two different lower body injuries that really, I think, um, kind of impeded his progress in the early portion of the season, but he's been the Coyotes' most consistent goal scorer and overall scorer uh, going back um, you know, to late December and really providing the type of offensive explosion and offensive production that, that the Coyotes had, had hoped that they were going to get when they acquired Alex Galchenyuk. Uh, How I mean, about – I'm sorry. Paul, no, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. He looked at me, so I, I figured uh, – Go for it. Well, I was just going to, yeah, I mean, and, and piggybacking off Galchenyuk, and, and they've been able to, to have this good play with him elevating his play. And another guy who, who scored last game against Winnipeg, well, I mean, at least for where we're recording, is Clayton Keller. If you can imagine if they can get him going the way that, that Galchenyuk is, now all of a sudden you're adding another, you know, superstar type player to the roster where you know he, that was his first goal in 14 games you know they, they've been staying afloat without having their most impactful player in offense really going so if he can get going I'm, I'm excited to see what things are what the way things are going to go I'm a little insulted so I'm going to keep my comment to myself <laughs> that's now, so you're insulted back to Galchenyuk sorry my bad yeah I just love that goal he scored against Vancouver I mean if he doesn't score another goal for the rest of the season <laughs> he's okay by me that was something wasn't oh it? yeah we'll talk to you next podcast if you feel the same way if he's one of the dry spots. You know what? I'm going to say right now, and it's probably not a huge uh, prediction here, but I, I, I think I actually told Luke this not too long ago. When he wasn't leading the team in scoring, I said, Galchenyuk's going to end up leading this team in goal scoring. He's going to get over 20 goals. So there's a prediction for you if you want to play wow, this Wow, I like the hot take. Play yeah. this back on the next podcast or after the season. At least 20 goals for Galchenyuk. And, and guys, you know, as we do this, we hate to just single out players because I think it's been a tremendous team effort this year. And and because of all the injuries and because of the way this, this team has battled, um, you know, you, you can't really just single out guys that, uh, that have stood to the forefront because it's been a, a team success. However, I'll do it anyway. <laughs> um, but I want to talk about uh, Derek Stepan and, and what he's been able to, to do um, as a veteran player. You know, the Coyotes have been hit the hardest at the center position with injuries this year. And uh, especially after Brad Richardson went down, then Derek Stepan uh, took over the role as the shutdown centerman defensively. And uh, now, obviously, Richie's back. So it's a more balanced offense. But I think Stepan is, is maybe his numbers – Aren't as uh, um, high in terms of goals and assists as he's had with the, in past seasons, but the significance that he's played uh, for this team, playing two-way hockey, and, and right now with Archibald and Kraus, they go up against the other team's top line just about every night and do really well against them, hold their own against them, sometimes outscore them, and uh, 
you know, Stepan's one of the veteran players and a guy that's been a tremendous leader for this team. So I think he's done tremendously well. And also uh, comment, you guys, too, on, on Nicholas Jalmerson. Um, he was hampered last year in his first year as a Coyote by injuries. We really didn't see the real Nicholas Jalmerson. We're seeing it this year, night in and night out, how he battles defensively and blocks shots, breaks up passes, defends. And, uh, you know, those two veteran players, and again, it's been a great team effort, but I've really been impressed by the play of those two veteran players this year. Yeah, I mean, first, let's touch on Stepan. Uh, you, you mentioned his numbers and how they're maybe not from years past, but, you know, he's had the tough task of going up against these superstars every night with, with the injuries they've had up the middle. So, I mean, more of the focus has probably been on the defensive side of the game than the offensive side, but nonetheless, he's done an incredible job of not only shutting those guys down, but you mentioned some nights even outscoring those top lines. So definitely a credit to Stepan. As far as John Wilson's con- concerned, I mean, to me, he, he has that type of impact that Boyd Gordon had when we picked him up uh, in free agency. And, you know, he, just the, the amount of, of, of selflessness when he's just blocking shots and, and night in and night out. And I know they're in different positions, but just, I mean, I can't fathom, fathom it. I hated blocking shots. I would have rather gotten thumped in the face, as you guys know and saw, more than blocking shots. And just he's putting his body out there all the time. And when it's not him blocking it with his body, it's him stick on puck. So he just does an unbelievable job defensively and uh, probably one of the more underrated defensive defensemen in the league. This now. is going to sound like a joke, Paul, but it isn't. Please expand on that. Why would you rather get punched in the face than block a shot? Oh, it's it's just unpredictable where you're going to get hit and and night in night out you get those these bumps and bruises on your your lower body most of the time. He's taking them off the the, the, the ankles, the feet, and and that affects your stride and the way your your feet feels in your boot. Like when you're you know when you have a swollen foot and it's it's hurting when you have to tie up your skates, and then all of a sudden you have to maybe tie your skates a little looser it's affecting everything and i mean you you look at the foundation it starts at the feet ankles and all the way up your knee flexion and and to me that like that that's why i hated doing it and and then you know just the the bumps and bruises ice bags and loose pucks as uh, kinger used to say well guys as our coyotes corners uh quickly coming to a close uh, right now we would be remiss if we didn't talk about the great night here on sunday night uh, the great Shane Doan's uh, jersey number 19, of course, uh, race to the rafters. What a tremendous ceremony, an emotional ceremony. And then the Coyotes come out and beat the Winnipeg Jets 4-1. to It couldn't have been a better night to honor the uh, the greatest Coyote ever on and off the ice. And, Paul, you were right in the thick of it, down on the ice during the ceremony. Just want to get both of your thoughts on uh, on Sunday night and, and just uh, what it meant to, to you guys and also this organization. Well, the ceremony was unbelievable. It actually, I think it went over an hour and a half, and it was supposed to be an hour, and, and it flew by because it was so entertaining with, with the speeches. And, you know, I mean, there, there was some humor involved. There was some, definitely some tears. Um, you know, one speech that, that came to mind was uh, was Tyson Nash's, and he started out with, with four or five jokes and, and got the crowd really into it. And then he touched on, you know, the, the time that they'd lost – a game and they got smoked and, and Tyson Nash was was going through some family issues. Of course, his mother had cancer and she ended up passing away. And how Donor came over and sat next to him and 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 Tyson was was unaware of, of the, how even Donor found out. But it just goes to show where where Donor's head was at and was always concerned about others. And and that that was a, a tear jerking moment and and it really summed up what Shane Donor was about. And uh, 
I mean, as much as he did on the ice, I think he was far more impactful off of it, as you can tell by what everyone said about him. Yeah, there were many highlights for me. I just thought the ceremony was perfect. You know, I agree with you, Biz. It didn't feel like 90 minutes at all. I couldn't believe it when I looked at my watch um, after it was over, and it was almost 6.30. It started at 5 o'clock. So uh, just a terrific event. I thought all the speeches were great. Um, Tyson, of course, uh, stole the show. I thought Danny Briere, who I haven't he was seen good, wasn't he? Yeah. or heard from in quite some time, I thought his speech was excellent. So um, I enjoyed it thoroughly. The one moment that I'd like to talk about and see what you guys thought was the fact that Shane's family was on the ice with him. However, his oldest daughter, Gracie, couldn't make it. Uh, she's at college, and she was starring in a play, and it just didn't work out logistically. And the fact that the team recorded a video message from Gracie as the introduction of the entire ceremony, I didn't know that was coming. And, you know, I just enjoyed that as a fan of this event, and I got all choked up watching that. I thought that was a nice touch. I don't have kids, but I still got touched by that. I wanted to know what you guys thought. That, that for me, was the highlight among many other worthy candidates and surely shane didn't know that was coming either because, yeah, he was uh, choked up yes, as well that got to him as it would any father and that was just a wonderful moment for sure oh man i'm trying to think of other other great moments that involved well first of all we got to mention uh, the people put it together rich nairn uh lamont uh, who else? John Kingston and other people with the Game Ops presentation. They they had to scramble to do that, and, and they did an incredible job in order to putting that together. Great job. Yeah, great job. Uh, did, did you guys know Shane Doan drove a Harley? I did not. That was one of the gifts, of course. So uh, Shane Doan's a motorcycle driver. So if you're driving on the 101 or the 202 and you see Shane Doan's beautiful hair <laughs> flapping in the wind, just just stay away from him, please, because right. he's a new motorcycle driver. We, we know that he, he rides horses. Now he's going to ride a hog, right? Huh? <laughs> and a golf cart. How about that? <laughs> Welcome to retirement. And, and speaking of Shane Doan, like, even for you guys, like, you know, like when you guys would come into the locker room after practice and stuff, I feel like he gave everybody his time. Of no course, matter who yeah. you were, he made you feel special. And yes. that was what Shane Doan did. I wrote this in a piece for the website. Just, you know, I interviewed Shane hundreds of times. And every time, and I'm not just saying this, every time I interviewed him, it made me feel as if it was the most important interview that he was doing that day. Um, that was just the way he is i don't want to say was because right. it's not a funeral but uh, the way he was as a player no he's not that guy anymore he stopped <laughs> doing that once he retired i noticed i wasn't allowed in certain areas of the ceremony that was interesting no i'm just kidding but shane always made me feel important and i interviewed him every other day you know it wasn't like a rare occurrence oh yeah I and mean, he would off more often than not invite you to sit down next to him in his locker after practice and even if you're not interviewing him and, you know, just talk about hockey, talk about life and, uh, you know, just always so accommodating and always making you feel so special. And obviously in the ceremony, uh, Todd Walsh talked about how kind that he always was to my friends in, in Detroit, you know, and their sons. Oh, yeah, you and, did get the show. Yeah. Out. And they, put you on, they put you on the television. I saw too. that. Congrats, yeah. Buddy. But I mean, that was something that's just wonderful that Shane did year after year. I mean, those those kids will always be Coyotes fans and Shane Doan fans and, you know, something that just meant so much to them and to me. And so it was just another example of, of you know, the great person that Shane Doan is. And, you know, as maybe putting a final stamp on the night, to me, the resounding statement 
that keeps going through my head is when Commissioner Gary Bettman said, without Shane Doan, the Coyotes wouldn't be here. Wow. That says it all, right? Uh, it's, that was another big moment as well. I mean, uh, geez, how do I top that one, Heater? I want to know, Biz, how did you get on the ice? <laughs> yeah. Did you grease a palm? Or <laughs> go under a velvet rope? Well, when I first found, heard about it, I was like, what? Like, like oh, maybe there's like going to be like a hundred of us out there. You know? and, and then and then I got to, to the rink, and then I saw all these other guys that were in the, the, the green room or whatever, and I'm like, there's one thing that just doesn't add up here. All these guys are Hall of Famers or, or over, you know, six, seven hundred games played, but... I, I got out there. I was I was very thankful. It was cool to experience it, uh, you know, like right right in the moment being there. Uh, a couple more things that stood out was when Cohen told the story about how he was driving up the ramp after the game, and it was fairly late. And I believe it was Cohen who said this. And Donor had gotten out of his car and was signing autographs for all the people waiting. And then Cohen realized he forgot something in the office, so he turned back and went in there, and another 20, 25 minutes went by, and he drove back up, and Donor was still outside. And then even Donor kind of touched on his interaction with fans and how much time he had for him, and he thanked his family for just their patience and in, in, in allowing him to to help grow the game and, and and help the organization by spending all that free time he had with fans and, and people like he talked about, like in in Michigan. Right. Whereas you know he probably missed out on a lot of his kids' activities in childhood. And and now he gets to enjoy that, but he thanked them for their sacrifice in in being ordered to be able to do that. Biz, I was just joking. You deserve to be out there. Oh, just, uh, boys, you, you're a Hall boys, of Famer in your own right. I'm, I'm just I'm jealous. self-aware, and and I'm not gonna lie. I was very shocked that I got the nod, well, but uh, one of those ones where it's like the Hamburglar. I just kind of <laughs> shut up and snuck out there. But and, that shows what you mean to to Shane, though. I mean, well, I, I appreciate right? that. One one thing, though, when he was walking back over from getting his gifts, I, I made sure and I reiterated. I said, Shane, you know that I'm not helping out in the purchase of that, that motorcycle, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> there was an ongoing joke when I played here. There was like six or seven guys that played in their thousandth game. And when they play in their thousandth game, you, you, you all chip in and get them a gift. I was like, Jesus. I'm like, I'm not even going to get close to 500 here. And I, like, I'm not, like, I, I'm not going to make any money this year. We had, I think we had Lankow, uh, Morris, a coin, Sullivan, Donor, Stan Wilson ended up hitting, I think, 1500 games when I was here. And then, uh, who, uh, Tony as well, Tony Silva. You spent your salary on gifts. I was, uh, I was playing for free when I was with the Coyotes, man. <laughs> so I made sure that he he he, uh, he knew he wasn't getting chipped in for any gas money for the hog. <laughs> well, it was just a tremendous night, something that uh, we'll all never forget, and what a, a fitting night to honor Shane Doan. No question about that, guys. We have to go, but one quick question for each of you. It's very simple. The Coyotes will make the playoffs if. Paul Bissonnette. Oh, Vessi always does that. He threw it over to me. You're going to stump the chump here. I would say if they're able to get their their uh, their guys back healthy, like the Grabners and, and the Demers, and they're able to fit in seamlessly where where it just you know all all keeps going because those guys are impactful players. We mentioned the chemistry that this group right now has. So sometimes when you're inserting guys, there's some hiccups in them getting back in game shape. I hope they can just slide right in and and keep things going. I threw it to Biz so I could think of something clever, but. The first thing that popped into my mind was if they can win more games at home. Uh, they've struggled to win games at home. It's been well documented. Uh, this is a long homestand, as we've mentioned earlier on this podcast. They're going to have to win, I think, at least, geez, 80% of their home games. 
So I'm going to say that. I know it's a very generic answer. The first other thing that popped into my head, and I don't want to put it on one guy, if Darcy Kemper can continue to play as he's played over the past couple, three weeks here. How's that? All right. Great answers, boys. I, I like Darcy's answers better than mine, but he had more time to think about That's it. Right. So That's right. I just right. wanted to put that out there. Veteran move. I pointed you at you. The, you fell on the sword for the team. I, I did. I, I, took huh? the, I blocked a shot for, for yeah, once. Yeah, you did. Peter, what's your answer? <laughs> I'm asking the question, so we're out of time. <laughs> nice call here. Well played. Anyway... Guys, it's been great. Um, I appreciate you letting me uh, sit in here. As long as Luke couldn't make it today, I had a great time as always. Whenever I'm on Coyote's Corner, you guys always do a great job. And, of course, we want to thank John Chaika for joining us today. And uh, that's uh, it, I guess. That's a wrap. Is that How do you guys end this? What do you Biz usually do? says something funny. I usually say something offensive, and then Cannon just turns off the, the recorder, and then we just edit it out. Okay. Well, and a big thanks to Doug Cannon, of course. Our Coyotes Director of Broadcasting, who always oversees the Coyotes Corner and and uh, produces it, edits it, and makes sure that uh, all of us knuckleheads are in line as we're recording it. And he was, and Heater was actually forced to say that. By his, <laughs> no, I was by not. By Doug Cannon, yes, he was. Like my my arm is now being released from behind my back. Is that yeah, it? No, yeah. no, no, no. All right, that's it. Thanks for listening, as always, and uh, we'll uh, be back with you for another Coyotes Corner soon, and uh, continue to. To watch and listen to the Coyotes as they make their final pursuit for a playoff spot uh, here in the final stages of the season. Thanks, everybody.